This is the Catskills News Pod. I'm Mike Sakel with timely conversations for Sullivan and the Catskills. With me today are the two chief executive officers of Garnet Health, uh, Garnet Health Catskills CEO Jerry Dunlavey and Jonathan Schiller, who recently returned to Garnet Health as a president and CEO. And it's it's wonderful to have both of you gentlemen here today. Uh, we're going to talk about Garnet Health and also take a bit of a deep dive into Garnet Health Catskills, talk about the, the local operations here. So again, thank you both. You know, Jonathan, before mm-hmm. we started recording, I said, I was thinking about the, the, the questioning, the line of questioning here, and, you know, the old cliche goes, I got good news and bad news. So what do you want to hear first? I said, well, let's, let's start with the more unfortunate news, uh, of course, just last week, and we, we are recording this now on the uh, 12th of July, but just last week, uh, Garnet Health announced that uh, there'd be cutbacks, system-wide employee cutbacks, and uh, I wanted to start off with you talking about that, what the current situation is at Garnet Health overall right now. Sure. M- Mike, it's my pleasure. And it's great to be home and it's great to be back on, on your airwaves um, and to have rekindling so many great relationships. So for Garnet Health, it's been uh, a, a case of where we didn't really have any immunity to what's happened across the rest of our industry. Um, and I believe that really a coalescence of factors in terms of inflationary pressures on prices for everything from supplies uh, to medications um, to fuel oil, et cetera, for all of our facilities, as well as um, some of the uh, other pressures that we have with within the workforce itself. Um, and uh, I don't think it's any surprise to your audience that we do have a number of uh, contract or what we call travel uh, staff, in particular nurses, across uh, Garnet Health locations. And um, we, we need to do uh, that in order to ensure the safest, highest quality care for our patients. But it's a very expensive alternative to what we're used to, which is having our own community uh, working in our facilities. And so that's created a tremendous amount of financial pressure across Garnet Health. Um, we did everything we could and are doing everything we can to try and mitigate most of those pressures. Uh, for us, this became an unfortunate a scenario where if we were really going to be honest about what's what's the right thing for us to do at this time for our health system and for the ensure the sustainability of our organization, uh, we did have to make some very difficult decisions uh, that culminated in, in a layoff uh, last Friday. Right. And, uh, and Jerry, maybe you could speak to the situation locally. Uh, there were, I believe, about four or five uh, employment cutbacks within Garnet Health Catskills. It had been noted that these are non-patient care positions, uh, mostly administrative positions and, again, other non-patient care positions. But uh, what I wanted to ask is what is the current situation right now, and, and has this affected any of the local ancillary services here at Garnet Health Catskills? Sure. So um, let me first start by clarifying. When we, when we refer to ancillary services in a hospital setting, there's two types of ancillary services. One is uh, clinical support, and the other is non-clinical support. So uh, the folks that were affected are in uh, non-clinical support. Uh, there were five, uh, five positions that were identified. Uh, the Catskill campus is already uh, an extremely lean organization, so there really wasn't a lot of room um, for reductions. So we had to look to management, and we also had to look to some of the non-clinical support services. 
And, uh, you know, the result of that is, you know, unfortunately some really good people left our organization and it leaves us with a void to fill, which is really um, kind of pushing us in the direction of uh, being more efficient in how we do our work every day as we adjust to uh, a changing labor market and a changing healthcare business landscape. Well, and I appreciate the definition too, perhaps when I say ancillary services, um, you know, I might define that differently. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of community services, support services. Uh, for example, let's say I know you run a series of diabetes support groups and, and things like that, things that, that are specific to the community. Um, would you say any of those types of services have been affected? No. And, uh, you know, we, we recognize, particularly in Sullivan County, the value of things like our Healthy Heart Program and our diabetes outreach and, uh, frankly, a lot of the community outreach that, uh, that we've been doing. So, um, you know, while, while these changes will uh, create perhaps some temporary stressors on, on the management team, uh, it will not impact our ability to deliver those services to patients in our facilities or in our community. And Jonathan Schiller, I, I wanted you to uh, talk about the specific financial issues and that's facing the healthcare community as a whole, I think, beyond Garnet Health. But uh, speak to me about uh, how os- hospital systems such as Garnet Health operate as not-for-profits. Sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, like, you know, if we just break it down for one moment uh, in terms of the basic business functions uh, of, of revenue and expenses, um, our hospitals and our medical group, our Garner Health Doctors Group, are no different than other businesses in that we do need to generate revenues in order to support the expense base. And um, for us, as a nonprofit uh, that's really a community asset, it's important for us to always be able to generate excess revenues in order to reinvest in those uh, capital e- equipment items. Our services are capital intensive in terms of our commitment to having the latest and greatest technology for our community. And so uh, we have great community support, as you know, uh, for the Heartathon, uh, for other fundraisers that we do. And we also work with our um, state elected officials and regulators in terms of uh, accessing grant funds to help support some of our programs. And in the end, those are all critical for us to be able to, to generate a little bit of extra so that we can continue to reinvest and ensure that the equipment we have for our community, for our patients, and for our clinicians uh, to help attract the best clinicians possible, um, that we have the, the greatest technology and greatest equipment. So that that's really a big part of uh, the financial picture, if you will, of, of what we look to do when we're um, when we're talking about expenses and revenues. Right. And as a not-for-profit, uh, you're also responsible. Of course, there's a foundation and there are income streams that, that you are uh, more or less responsible for, for that status. Right. Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. And we're so fortunate to have great community support for our foundation and for, for philanthropy. I think we have a uh, a very long track record and great history of being good stewards of the gifts that we've received over the years. And um, and we're thankful for that community support, and, and we do rely on that to continue into the future. Garnet Health, of course, has been affected by the pandemic. Everybody was affected by the pandemic. And I might uh, actually direct this question to both of you, uh, Jonathan and, and Jerry, on a more local level mm-hmm. with Garnet Health Catskills. But where are you at right now? I mean, how has the pandemic affected the financial bottom line and your operations today? Um, it's It's been a challenge, right? So um, we all lived uh, what we lived over the last three years in terms of doing everything we could uh, to provide the best possible care to our community, uh, the best information, the best collaborative approach with all the community stakeholders. And, um, and we, like I had said earlier, we just don't have immunity to some of those 
market forces or market pressures, inflationary pressures on everything um, that we purchase. And so uh, for, for us, um, this, this uh, past year, and we anticipate over the next few months and year, are uh, challenging, turbulent times for us. And um, we're making all the right decisions that you would hope we would make to protect the, the service for the community. And, uh, and Jerry, on the local level, Garnet Health Catskills, of course, we're, we're a smaller community that uh, proportionately, I think, were, was very much affected by the, the COVID pandemic. Um, where is Garnet Health Catskills right now so, in terms of post-pandemic? Sure. For, for the, um, you know, talk about the pandemic for a second, specific to Catskills, but I think that our, our Middletown campus, as you said, proportionally had similar challenges. Um, it impacted our bottom line due to multiple factors. Uh, one is our, our inpatient volume dropped off uh, significantly. Um, there were several times throughout the two to two and a half years uh, of, of the pandemic where uh, elective procedures had to be shut down because of uh, a, a surge. Uh, and then also with elective procedures being shut down, we saw our outpatient volume um, drop off si- significantly. We also saw significant uh, challenges on the expense side of the equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmaceutical costs, and particularly some of the pharmaceuticals used to treat COVID patients, uh, were not reimbursed by, uh, by CMS and by, by many other um, providers. Uh, the labor challenges that we saw uh, that Jonathan mentioned earlier, we saw a number of people leaving the healthcare workforce, which forced us to uh, bring in agency staff. And, you know, just general supply chain challenges that impacted not just hospitals, but other, uh, other businesses in, in, in other um, areas. Uh, but another unique part of, of our challenge would be just personal protective equipment. Uh, we were required to uh, have in storage 90 days of personal protective equipment, which, uh, which we uh, abided by, and, and I think we all felt good about that. Um, you know, but there, there are some things that I think it's important to point out uh, with regard to, you know, how we performed during the pandemic that, uh, that we're proud of. Uh, number one is the care that we provided on the inpatient side, uh, really uh, making significant adjustments in the logistics of where patients are located um, and, and things mm-hmm. of that nature. You know, as I mentioned, four surges in two and a half years. Um, and then sort of in the middle of all that, uh, both of our campuses, along with the Sullivan County Department of Health, uh, implemented vaccine clinics where tens of thousands of patients mm-hmm. were vaccinated um, during that time. And, you know, where, where I look at uh, where we are now, uh, specific to the pandemic, um, is we're sort of climbing out of this two-and-a-half-year trough of dealing uh, with, with COVID. So while we kind of still have one foot kind of in it mm-hmm. as we climb out because there are still some cases that are presenting to, to both of our hospitals, uh, we're, we're sort of, you know, heading in, in a direction away from COVID, but now kind of facing these financial headwinds uh, as, we, as we move forward. Sure, sure. Sounds like there were issues with, uh, with a lot of the reimbursements and, and financial issues when it came to dealing with the pandemic. Uh, you know, I, I think that the the general thought was that most of this is being reimbursed that you know the federal state government was involved and 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 you were getting paid am i am i not correct in in assuming that are you uh, you know is this part of the financial problem right now um you're you are correct in assuming that uh, two things sort of collided there one is the resource intensity that it took for 
all of all of the hospitals, including ours, to care for patients in terms of the additional physician time, the additional nursing time, and uh, and all of the associated protocols that had to be put in place, and particularly in 2020, um, to keep everybody safe as we were all still learning as a community about what this uh, what this virus meant to us. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I, you know, we do appreciate the support that our federal government provided to us. Unfortunately, as generous as it was, um, of course, it's it's always uh, never enough. Um, and so there are a number of unmet expenses that our health system and many others across the country experienced. There was uh, one moment in time in 2020 where um, Sullivan County, believe it or not, as a county, had the highest uh, rate of positivity across the country. So we know that um, that we did uh, take a bit of a hit there in our community, illness-wise and as a health system expense-wise, to care for the patients. So as of right now, as of today, are you well? Perhaps not the not pre-pandemic levels, but in terms of uh, outpatient care, in terms of um, you know, those kind of uh, issues, elective procedures, that kind of thing, which, of course, is a big part of the bottom line to any health system. Uh, are you at a good place? For, for almost all of our services, we've returned to pre-pandemic levels, but not all. Um, and uh, and the, the lagging challenge for us is, I will, I will use the words, the new normal, um, the inflationary pressures and all the increased costs that we have. So although we are seeing a return mm-hmm. uh, to pre-pandemic um, uh, levels of, of patient care service demand, um, we're, we're seeing that demand on an increased cost basis. Yeah. And, and the reimbursement is not there to support it. So how does Garnett Health uh, plan for its local community? And I'm talking about the big picture as far as, you know, you, uh, Jonathan Schiller, have, uh, of course, look at the entire system, as it were. And Jerry, of course, looking at uh, Garnet Health Catskills and, and your two campuses right. here, as well as Garnet Health Doctors. And I don't know how that, that all plays. But talk to me a little bit about, I guess, the, the inner workings. How, how do you... The two of you sit down and, and talk about what's, what are the needs with the communities and how do you network with, with other community organizations to make that work? Sure. I'll start off and then I'll ask Jerry um, to comment because Jerry, in my 25 years, is one of the finest planners I've ever worked with. Um, he's just really skilled and has a gift for it. Um, for, for our health system, our, our strategic planning and our service planning begins at the board governance level. Um, taking in a variety of multiple inputs, one of them being, you know, if our if our health system is doing things the right way, we should be providing services that are reflected with what the community needs. And so one of the big inputs to that strategic planning process is what we refer to as the community health needs assessment, uh, which then informs a community health improvement plan. And we do that with a number of stakeholders in the community. I think we have 15 or 20 that participate in that process. And that informs our strategic planning efforts uh, where are the services that we need to grow and invest in? Where are those services that we need to start because they're, for whatever reason, is not the need in the community is not being met and people are having to leave the area? And then, um, and then finally, what are those services where we want to hold, where the, we're meeting the demand, we don't need to grow, we don't want to overinvest, and, uh, and we have the services available for, uh, for our patients in the community? And uh, just to add to Jonathan's comments, one of the, the wonderful assets that we have um, is we have a dedicated director of planning uh, and community relations. And, and uh, her job is really to kind of get out in the community and make sure that that integration with various community stakeholders uh, is happening. And, and the, the assessment and the plan of community health that Jonathan mentioned is, 
it's a critically important part of, of that individual's role. Uh, this is something that we look at every three years and, you know, just think about mm -hmm. pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, how much stuff has changed. So it's important that that plan be refreshed. And it's also important to recognize that there's a variety of stakeholders and a variety of methods that we utilize um, to kind of pull that information together. Um, the partnership with uh, Sullivan County, I think, is, is really critical. Uh, but reaching mm -hmm. out to other community stakeholders, uh, reaching out to physicians and, and other health care providers is, is really critical. And, you know, the outcome of our most recent community health assessment is a, a continued commitment to focus on chronic disease, a continued commitment to focus on mental health, uh, and then a continued focus on substance use disorders. And which leads to my next question, which is, of course, as in Sullivan County and throughout the region, I am sure, but in Sullivan County, uh, the fight against substance misuse continues Maybe you can speak a little more about the, some of those local partnerships, uh, their treatment programs. There, there are many things going on within the community that are trying to uh, really be part of the battle uh, here. And Garnet Health is uh, is no doubt a piece of that puzzle. So, uh, Jerry, you want yeah. to speak to me a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So, um, I think being a piece of the puzzle is really a, a great way of looking at it because it really underscores the importance. Uh, of, of community partnerships. Garnet Health isn't going to be able to solve this problem on their own. Sullivan County government isn't going to be able to solve the, this problem uh, on their own. So, you know, we have a number of clinicians who are either employed by Garnet Health doctors or are members of our medical staff uh, that participate on a, a number of various community committees uh, and committees with the, the Sullivan County government. Uh, one of the things that we've been looking at uh, lately is, you know, the, the campus in Harris, we have some space there. We have a significant amount of space that is available. And we would really like to see uh, an organization that is focused on substance use disorder uh, and have them come in and partner with us and perhaps deliver the service within that facility. Mm. So that, that that's one area that we're looking at. We you know, we have an ED uh, at both our Calicoon campus and our Harris campus that is available 24-7, 365. And, and oftentimes, folks come in uh, in that acute phase where they need that immediate care. Mm -hmm. And part of the goal uh, with these local partnerships is um, what happens to a patient that presents to our emergency department when they receive care? They're, they're not an inpatient. They're not going to be admitted uh, but they need uh, a different level of care once they leave our facility. Mm -hmm. And that those partnerships are situations where the, continu the continuity of care um, doesn't have any gaps. So there could be a warm handoff from our emergency department to a resource um, with, within the, the community. And it brings to mind a couple of specifics here in Sullivan County, and I wanted to just ask uh, about Garnet Health, Catskill's participation in uh, the drug task force, I believe you're, you're on one of the pillars or the representatives from the hospital. Uh, and also Hope Not Handcuffs, the Hope Not Handcuffs program, where uh, maybe those individuals that are in distress are brought into uh, a situation at Garnet Health and, and move on from there. Uh, can you speak to that a little bit? Absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's a variety of uh, areas where, uh, as you say, we, we fit into the picture um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to play the role that I play, but I think really uh, where Garnet uh, shows benefit is uh, the clinicians that 
participate in the in the various um, county committees. So it could be our a leader of our uh, behavioral health service. It could be a, a leader within our e- emergency department. I could talk for a long time about about what we do. So I'll just give you a couple of examples. We have um, we've been a, an active member on the Healing Community Study Committee meetings, uh, working to address the opioid uh, epidemic. Our community health improvement plan developed for the health system is working to increase the availability, access, and linkages um, to the, to the MAT program, which is the medication assisted um, treatment uh, with uh, you know services uh, for patients. We're we actively work with Catholic charities. Um, we have peers that gain access to the emergency departments for the warm handoffs that I that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, mm-hmm. a couple of examples. Yeah, yeah, no, some very important examples for sure. Uh, mental health, of course, is the other the other topic that always gets uh, to the top of the list, as it were. Jerry, since I'm speaking to you, and mm-hmm. and again focusing on on the services here within Sullivan County, can you can you speak to uh, to that? Some of the mental health uh, services and how you're you're facing those issues right now at Garnet Health Catskills. Yes, and I and I think mental health is a topic. Um, that really is a great example of a service that requires collaboration with our community partners. Um, I may have mentioned mm-hmm. it earlier. No one group within this community is going to solve our mental health problem. It's it's a matter of creating that connection between the various uh, various parties. For 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 Garnet Health, uh, we provide care in in a number of settings. Uh, one is inpatient care. We do have an eighteen uh, bed inpatient unit where. Uh, if a patient needs admission, uh, they uh, they come to our emergency department. They get evaluated by mm-hmm. uh, an ED physician and then a psychiatrist, and ultimately, um, if needed, would be admitted to our to our unit. Um, ED consults are are really important. It might be just a, an evaluation by an ER physician. That ER physician says, you know, I need a psychiatrist to come down take a look at this patient, and you know, sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, it results in an, in an admission, but other times, perhaps just a an adjustment on uh, their medication, observation right, right. for several hours. So um, in, in, in the uh, ED, there's also uh, pediatric patients, which, you know, we're seeing a substantial increase in pediatric patients that come to our ED and are need a, and in need of inpatient behavioral health services, which we do not provide locally. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the patients end up uh, transferring to Rockland Psychiatric Center or uh, to Four Winds over, over in Katona. Um, but those facilities don't oft, often don't have bed availability right. immediately. So uh, we have to care for those patients within our ED. Has um, that been a significant problem uh, in terms of pediatric uh, mental health issues? I mean, have, have you seen, would you say, a, a, a spike in the numbers here? I've, I've had that conversation with our psychiatrists, and uh, they do feel that there is, a, there is an increase, a lot of it. Uh, you know, post-pandemic and, and right. you know, social media and different things that impact the pediatric population. We also see it being somewhat cyclical over the years. Uh, September and October, once uh, kids are back in school, uh, we do see an increase at that time as well. We, we do have um, an outpatient clinic. It's uh, one provider. And then, you know, also we know that there are other outpatient providers in the community that we try to network with as well. You know, some very interesting statistics and information regarding uh, Garnet Health Catskills. Jerry Dunlavy, and I'll turn to Jonathan Schiller. I hate to do this because it almost sounds like Jerry just gave us all the bad news. 
And and I turn around and I say to Jonathan Schiller, well, you know, there there has been good news for Garnet Health, really. Uh, Jonathan, tell tell me a little bit about that. Um, you know, Garnet Health has a, a number of accreditations. Uh, I know you're in significant programs, including recently the Stroke Certification Program, uh, the award that you just received. So, so speak to me about uh, a little bit about those things and and the quality of care with Garnet Health. Sure, I'd be happy to, and thank you for giving me the question about the good news. Um, so there is a lot of good news a- across Garnet Health, and, and certainly the recent uh, stroke designation is one of the pieces of that. Uh, we're very proud of the care that we provide. And what this, what this uh, award or accreditation is, it's a recognition that the care that patients uh, receive when presenting to Garnet Health Medical Center Catskills um, is in line with the gold standard across the country. And uh, this is a national set of standards that are um, administered uh, equally across all healthcare facilities. And I think, you know, um, when we talk about uh, stroke, we talk about time being brain, if you will, in terms of the time it takes for a patient to receive a therapeutic treatment if, if appropriate. Um, and, and this truly is a fantastic service that we're able to provide to our community. Um, stroke is the number one uh, disabling uh, condition across the United States, and so our ability to provide the best possible care to patients uh, in a timely manner is what's really recognized by this, and I, it's actually called the Stroke Gold Plus Award. So um, we went above and beyond just the gold level, which I think is a credit to our frontline clinicians who take their work so seriously. And very important work, and certainly in a rural community mm-hmm. where, again, as you say, time is brain and and. That's a that's a very important certification for for a local uh, hospital such as Garnet Health, the Garnet Health Catskills. Um, one of the other issues, and I, th- I think you mentioned this earlier in passing uh, when we were talking about not for profits in general, but grant programs, financial mm-hmm. programs, and grant programs. I wanted to ask you about one specific one, which came in. Um, I would say around mid-year last year, a USDA grant that came in. And the reason I ask about this is is uh, uh, this might seem a bit off goal of Garnet Health, but you're you're teaming up with the community and you were working with uh, some uh, grant money in terms of coming up with a with a local transportation system mm-hmm. uh, or something. And I don't know if Jerry or Jonathan who wants to speak about I'll, this. But I'll, I'll start on this one. Th- this, uh, um, you're you're working with the community and you're looking at transportation uh, because again, in a rural community. That seems to be a real issue, especially when it gets to going to doctor's appointments, uh, having access to health care. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Transportation is key for sure. And, um, and so we were fortunate enough to have a coalition of community partners, including Sullivan County government, uh, to look at transportation across, um, across our region. And for us, of course, we're looking at it through the lens of being a health care provider and how can we possibly impact, influence uh, or benefit from for the patients in the community from transportation changes and upgrades over time. And uh, we did have a grant, it's called a planning grant, and it was a $100,000 grant that was awarded to our community uh, for which we were helpful to steward it. And in the end, um, there's a study that was just developed uh, in the last two weeks that's uh, going to be distributed across to all of the partners mm-hmm. that demonstrates a variety of different inputs and influences Um, and outcomes if we modify our transportation system. And they're able to uh, overlay uh, geography, um, demographics in terms of the age of population, how many minutes it is either by car or foot to the nearest healthcare provider, 
either in urgent care, primary care, or an acute care facility. And then, then what they, what this particular planning grant helped with was modeling if we have different transportation, public transportation routes throughout the county, what does that have, what influence does that have over the access to care for the people in a particular given community? And, um, and then they, interesting, just fantastic use of data and modeling, um, are able to demonstrate the impacts to um, uh, uh, social determinants of health and access to care in terms of diabetes or obesity, um, access to fresh food, et cetera. Uh, just a fantastic uh, group effort. And um, as this report becomes uh, more broadly available throughout the community, uh, I think it will really serve as a springboard for us to apply for a, um, another grant that will help us implement some of these ideas. And right. I, I will profess that we don't have a monopoly on good ideas. Um, uh, we do have interest and passion, and, and with all of our community partners, I think we'll come up with ideas to take what we have as a county and community and, and make it even better. Interesting. So really, this goes beyond transportation. I mean, it's more access on, on a number of levels. Right. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I'm, I'm glad I asked the question because I didn't realize the final report was just wrapped yeah. up. I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about it over the course of the next few weeks. Yeah. Jerry had a front row seat to this process. I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah, to I, I think yeah. the the concept of community partnership is really critical. And this is a this is sure. a great example, because if, if Garnet Health was given this grant and we uh, had to work in a vacuum to come up with a plan, uh, we would not have come up with a, the end product that Jonathan and I um, had the pleasure of hearing uh, last night. So we, we partnered with local companies like the Rolling V uh, Bus Corporation, uh, the Sullivan County Division of Community Resources and Urban Design uh, for Health for being, you know, they were part of this network that really pulled together data and they took that data and, and the output was significantly meaningful information. So tell me about community feedback as we kind of wind down here. I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Garnet Health, uh, like many medical facilities, you know, you reach out to patients. I've been there for care. I've received the surveys in the mail or there are various platforms available for, for responding like that. So, I mean, do you both personally review these surveys? How how does that work and what what's the end product? I, I do and I know Jerry does too. Yeah, so, so um, you know, feedback, as you mentioned, it comes from a, a variety of channels um, and patient satisfaction, as you mentioned, that's, mm-hmm. that's really the, the, the most significant source. We review that information on a regular basis, whether it's the department managers meetings uh, or at our executive team meetings. We always want to kind of keep our finger on the pulse of, of how are we doing and how are we doing compared to uh, other people, other organizations similar to, to ours. And the great thing about our patient data is we're able to mine that data a little bit deeper. So if you find a score that's kind of trailing off, you're able to dig into what are the exact reasons why there's, there's a trail off. Um, and then there's also the comments that are added to the ends of surveys. So it right. does, doesn't mm-hmm. answer a specific question, but it's additional feedback. And it, it's, it's important information for us to, to monitor. We also get letters uh, we get phone calls. Uh, we review them. We respond. I know for the Catskill campus, and Jonathan, you know, set the standard before me. Is you you get that feedback. You communicate that feedback to those in the organization that were part of uh, that feedback, and you always get back to the person who took the time to either make the phone call or send the letter or or send the email. Now, I, I will say on the opposite side of this is that we're not perfect all the time. 
And sometimes we fall short of patients' expectations and uh, we may get a complaint. We sure. have a yeah. vigorous process in place to make sure that we fully investigate all complaints um, and circle back to uh, the source of that complaint. That's good to hear. Good to hear. Well, again, gentlemen, as we, we wind down here, I'm going to uh, give you both kind of a general question. Might be a kind of big question, but uh, talking about the future of Garnet Health, you know, short term, long term. Jerry Dunleavy, maybe maybe you can begin as Garnet Health Catskill CEO. What are your feelings or, or maybe even what's on the drawing board as far as the future of Garnet Health Catskills? Well, I have to say, even though we're in very, very challenging economic times, I am uh, bullish on the future of healthcare care uh, in Sullivan County. Uh, when I look at things uh, on, on a short-term basis, I, I, I think about our finances and stabilizing uh, the financial condition of our two Sullivan County um, campuses. I think of the core services, the things that we do best, the things that we do every day, and how can we do them better, and how can we uh, make improvements and grow volume there. Uh, I think it's important for us to concentrate on small incremental improvements. And, you know, one of the things that I observed uh, when I first arrived in, in June of last year, and Jonathan gave me a heads up on this, is that there were some patient access challenges, some challenges with regard to um, getting all the phone calls answered. Uh, mm. The phone call wasn't answered. It went to voicemail getting back. Uh, making sure that our registration process was seamless and easy for, uh, for our patients. And I think we've made substantial improvements uh, over, the past, uh, over the past 12 months. Um, and as, as we, we've been talking about throughout these questions is making sure that we have um, in continued engagement with our, with our community partners. Uh, when you look at it from a long-term uh, perspective, I think our goal is to figure out what's happening with this community, how is the community growing, where is it growing, where is it shrinking, uh, and ultimately what are the needs uh, of the community. And uh, there are people out there much smarter than myself and Jonathan that are experts in looking at a community, particularly looking at a rural community, uh, looking at disease incidents and, and identifying what services are needed to take care of that community. So uh, we look forward to the next couple of years. Uh, at the end of this year, the New York State Department of Health is going to release an RFP uh, for a request for proposal mm -hmm. uh, for uh, what they call Transformation 4 grant. Uh, this is sort of a next phase of, of grants. We had applied for Transformation 3, and part of what we were looking at was um, funding to purchase a piece of land related to locating a new hospital, uh, but also the planning, the initial planning, the architecture, the engineering, uh, and the patient needs uh, for, for a new hospital. So uh, we are going to uh, resubmit uh, an updated plan um, and perhaps a plan that uh, is a little bit different than the original one. And what we want to focus on is what we've been talking about today, which is community partnerships. So our future hospital, wherever it may be located, however big it may be, one thing's for sure is we need to strengthen those community partnerships for that new facility to be efficient and effective. And just to be clear now, this would be a, a replacement hospital that, that you're looking at or an additional facility or, or looking at replacements to the Harris facility? It, it would be a replacement for the Harris facility. And, mm -hmm. and again, I want to emphasize we are in the very, very early stages of planning. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I often get asked the question when out in the community, why, 
why do we want to move from Harris? Why, why, what's wrong with that building? It looks great from the outside. The building was built in, in the, uh, actually, it was actually opened in the early 70s, so it was probably constructed from the late 60s into the, into the 70s. And, you know, there's mechanical systems have a certain lifespan. Sure. And, uh, you know, we have invested in the past 10 years about $30 million in infrastructure improvements. And when you have limited capital dollars and you're consistently investing money in your facility, repairing your facility, it doesn't leave money to invest in clinical programs and in community programs. So uh, we, that's why we feel that that's the direction we're heading in. Interesting. Jonathan Schiller, mm-hmm. uh, big picture now, of course. Sure. When we talk about Garnet Health in, in general, all of your facilities from Middletown on down, um, how about your thoughts on the on the future? Well, I, I agree with Jerry, very bullish on the future for us. Um, and I think about this question in terms of uh, three different lanes, if you will. The first is uh, what we're doing um, right now uh, to shore up the financials. And I would say the best possible um, way that I look at this is that this is a challenge, but it won't be defining for us. Um, it will be something that we go through a hurdle that we clear, if, we, if you will. And while we're clearing that hurdle, we'll start, we are still focused on our, our two other uh, strategic priorities. One is ensuring that every clinical program that we have across Garnet Health and across all of our locations is meeting our uh, expected clinical outcomes in terms of being at the 95th percentile or the top 5%. Uh, in our view, that's what our community deserves, um, that every patient who comes through has an outcome that's consistent with the top 5% in the country. Um, and those are the types of programs that we, uh, that we grow and develop, which uh, it gets back to some of the awards and recognition that we have. Um, that's the, and then the second is, um, even today, we have members of our community that for one reason or another – uh, have to leave our community for perhaps a second opinion or for uh, uh, for care of an illness or a disease. And um, for us, every time that happens, that hurts us in the heart a little bit. Uh, we want to make sure that we're always focused on why do patients leave our area and what services should we be continuing to grow and develop so that we can keep all of our family members, our loved ones, our neighbors, our, our friends uh, close by for care. Well, very good. Some very uh, positive words to to wrap up here. Jonathan Schiller, President, CEO, Garnet Health. Jerry Dunleavy, CEO, Garnet Health Catskills. Gentlemen, thank you both. I really appreciate this conversation. I think you've given us a, a, a real big picture, deep down look at uh, at the operation at Garnet Health. And, and uh, hopefully this will also uh, give the community a chance to understand the operation to understand what's happening here. And uh, we move on to the future. I, I think you're both very positive and, and we thank you for your your work within the community. Thank you both for being here. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. This is Mike Sakel. Thanks for listening to the Catskills News Pod. Remember to subscribe and I'll be back soon with more conversations wherever you get your podcasts and at radiobold.com.